Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. We are responsible for planting. We are responsible for watering. We will receive, we will be evaluated for, uh, for how much we planted. We will be evaluated for how much we watered, but God is responsible for the increase. We are not responsible for the increase. That's God's responsibility. We're gonna be rewarded for our labor or our effort of planting and watering. And this is especially important for the Jewish missionary because he will be, he or she will be rewarded for his labor or efforts in planting and watering. But he or she is not responsible for the increase or the results. That's God's responsibility. So these verses tell us that we get the E for effort, God gets the R for results. This is especially important to see for Jewish missionaries, Jewish missions, otherwise we'll get discouraged when we try to get God's R for ourselves and the Lord wants us just to focus on getting the E for our efforts. Now, then in verse 12, we comes. So we've seen from verse 12 how God had answered the question of Moses' feeling of insufficiency. Moses isn't done with his expressions of feeling insufficient. He's just kind of starting off here. But he starts off with the who am I? And that's sort of like the introduction for what's coming from Moses. But he's got these feelings of insufficiency and yeah, well, we can understand. I mean, you know, you're gonna go to this murderous Pharaoh and who's got uh, millions of people and slavery and just tell them that, you know, and you're gonna you know, emancipate them. <laughs> you're gonna walk up to Pharaoh with your emancipation proclamation, you know, okay. So God gives to Moses this universal answer to the feeling of insufficiency, which is, certainly I will be with thee. That's the answer that God has for every discouragement in our lives. Every discouragement in our lives is answered by God's statement that he gives here to Moses, certainly I will be with thee. When we feel like we're just not up to it, we just can't do that. We can't, we can't, we're not up to what God has called us to do. Then God answers, certainly I will be with thee. When we're being defied, we're being challenged, and we're thinking, I don't know the answer to these questions, all oh, these questions, and we feel hopelessly under fire, under attack, God's answer to us is, certainly I will be with thee. That's the greatest encouragement that God can give to anyone especially the, the person who has been sent by God into a very, very difficult situation, into a mission impossible, what it looks like, and God says, certainly I will be with thee. So when Joshua, I mean Joshua, he takes over for Moses, 
And Joshua, this is really something when you think about the position that Joshua was in. He's gonna now take over leading the Jewish people. That was a very scary prospect for Joshua. I don't think Joshua was tagging along with Moses for all those years saying, Moses, just would you please step out of the side and watch me. I'll really take over and do and be successful where you, know, you weren't. That was not Joshua. Joshua was uh, very close to Moses all this time in the 40 years traveling around in the desert, and Joshua had only known Moses as a great rock, a great rock in which Joshua relied on also, and Joshua had relied on Moses, as did the people, to tell him, what does God think? What does God say? What's God's counsel? What does God wanna do in this situation? So Joshua was relying on Moses. Moses was the mouthpiece for God. Moses was the one who came down and his face was so bright and nobody could look on his face because he'd been with God. And so they had to put a veil in front of his face. And Joshua standing back and he's looking at Moses and he's saying, wow, I don't think I'll ever be like him. You know, when God called him up the 40 days onto Mount Sinai, he didn't say, Moses, come and bring Joshua. He said, Moses, come alone. And then Moses went alone, and then Moses came down with the commandments on the stone, the 10, uh, Ten Commandments. And Joshua watched this, and he says, whoa. So Moses, really for Joshua, Joshua looks at Moses and says, that's my mentor. That's my teacher. That's the person I admire. That's my leader. That's the way Joshua looked at him. And Joshua watched Moses just just endured this unbelievable pressure from the Jewish people. I mean, the times when they wanted to stone Moses, and Moses is just out of his mind's wit, and he goes running to God, and he says, they want to stone me now, they want to kill me. Joshua watched all that. And Joshua watched when Moses had got pushed to the brink and sinned so terribly by striking the rock, which he shouldn't have done. And he watched Moses get pushed over the brink by the Jewish people. <laughs> and now Joshua is put in the position of Moses. And so when Moses died, God spoke what would have been terrifying words to Joshua in Joshua 1-2, and these are the words that God spoke to Joshua. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. So Joshua hears these words. You know, can you imagine Joshua comes and he hears these words, Moses is dead. And Joshua <laughs> thought with himself then, I feel that something inside me has died. Moses is dead, my leader is dead. Moses is dead. And then God says to Joshua, you're the man. You now go over this Jordan, thou and all this people. And at that point, Joshua could have said the words of Moses. Who am I? Or, or how am I gonna do this? I'm no Moses, I'm just Joshua. How can I stand up against all these Jewish people? And Joshua, let's not forget, Joshua had his own experience of standing up against the Jewish people because Joshua was one of the 12 spies that Moses had sent into the land of Canaan to bring back the report to the Jewish people. And he brought back, Joshua and Caleb brought back a good report and they had the big grapes and they talked about, oh, the land, it's flowing with, it is a land flowing with milk and honey, look at the fruit, and they carried back these gigantic grapes, and they said, this, this land is just bursting with all these wonderful fruits, 
And so, and Joshua and Caleb, and they were saying to the people, we have a mighty God. Don't you remember how he split the Red Sea? Yes, there were giants in the land. Yes, in comparison, we look like grasshoppers, but God does not look like a grasshopper in front of these giants, so let's go. And Joshua watched the Jewish people refuse to believe him and his report, and instead choose to believe that God would not protect them against the giants in the land of Canaan, and that they would be killed like the grasshoppers. And this disturbed Joshua. And Joshua was not dumb, and so he was sitting there thinking to himself, God went to all this trouble, and he brought us out, and he did all the plagues in Egypt, and essentially broke the hand of Pharaoh, and actually Pharaoh and his whole army died in the Red Sea, and now these people here, they're gonna kill us? And Joshua had figured this out. And so he was trying to reason with the Jewish people. He said, God is able to bring us through. But he watched, he watched, and he had direct experience as he saw the hard-heartedness of his own Jewish people, and Joshua was there firsthand during those times when they rejected God's advice and God's counsel, and he was also there during those times when the Jewish people wanted to kill Moses. And now Joshua hears these terrifying words that Moses is dead and that he's the new leader and he's to do what Moses was not able to do, bring the Jewish people into the land of Israel and cause them to inherit the land. And the big, big, big question in Joshua's mind was the same that Moses had. How am I gonna do that? How am I ever gonna do that? And God's answer to Joshua was the same that God gave to Moses and it says in Joshua 1.5, there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. So let me just pause here and just say that God said, listen, I, I know what happened to you in the past. I was there also. And so God says to Joshua, I know those men stood before you and they, they challenged you. But then he says, he starts off in, in verse five, Joshua one, he says, there shall not any man be able, they won't be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. Then he says, as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. So in other words, he was saying, first of all, he says, Joshua, you gotta trust me on this one, that although there were those who did stand before you, I'm telling you that I'm gonna make it so that no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life, in other words, to challenge you. And then he says, it's going to be a continuation for you that it was with Moses. As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. And he could sit there and he could think to himself, as I spoke to Moses, I'll speak to you. As I comforted Moses, I'll comfort you. As I strengthened Moses, I'll strengthen you. As I guided Moses, I'll guide you. All those things. As I was a friend of Moses, I'll be a friend of yours. And then he says, and then of course, then Joshua would think to himself, for how long? And then God says, I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. As I was with Moses, I'll be with you. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. And those five words that Joshua heard, he, God wanted him to take those five words, Joshua, and put them in the pocket of your mind, pocket of your mind, and pull it out from time to time and say to yourself, God said to me, I will be with thee. God said to me, I will not fail thee. God said to me, I will not forsake thee. And God was not saying to Joshua that Joshua would succeed in everything he did. God was not saying to Joshua, you got 
easy street in front of you, pal. God was not saying that to Joshua. He was, God was not saying to Joshua that he was not gonna have any troubles. Joshua had plenty of troubles. But what God said to Joshua is that I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. God was referring to his first statement when he said that of I will be with thee. In other words, when God said to Joshua, I will not fail thee, what God meant was I will be with thee and I will not fail thee to be with thee. See, when God said to Joshua, I will not forsake thee, what God meant was I will be with thee and I will not forsake or abandon to be with thee. And those are the same five words that God wants us to put in the pocket of our mind and to, all, and to pull it out for the rest of our lives. I will be with thee, I will be with thee, I will be with thee. As he said in Hebrews 13, five, where he says, let your conversation or your life style be, be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That is God's universal answer for our troubles. It's God's universal answer for our worries. It's God's universal answer for when we worry. You know, we're prone to worry. I mean, sometimes, um, sometimes I just catch myself and some feeling inside and I say to myself, I know I should be worrying about something, but I forgot what I should be worrying about. <laughs> and so I think I should just start worrying. I don't know what it is. I'll remember it later, but I, why waste the time? For the, we have valuable time here, so let's take up the time worrying and then we'll remember later what we should be worrying about. Sometimes feel like I just received the Jewish telegram. You know what the Jewish telegram is? The Jewish telegram reads like this. Start worrying, details to follow. <laughs> so God does not want us to do that. God does not want us to worry, so he has one promise to stop all of our worries, and it is, I will be with thee. I will never leave thee. I will never forsake thee. It's the presence of God that God wants us to be conscious of. He wants us to practice being conscious of his presence. Moses would practice being conscious of the presence of God, of, of his presence. Moses would come in his life to become very conscious of and very sensitive to the presence of God. Moses was coming in his life to value the presence of God. Moses would arrive in a place in his life, as we're going to see later, that he will value the presence of God so much in his life, that when it comes to going out and, and, and making a journey at one point, he'll make this crowning statement about the presence of God in Exodus 33:15, and he said unto him, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. We can just imagine that, you know, Moses saying, you know, if you don't come, I don't wanna go. If you go, I'll go. Moses would be singing the song, you know, anywhere with Jesus I can safely go. Anywhere he leads me in this world below. Anywhere without him dearest joys would fade. Anywhere with Jesus I am not afraid. And then the song goes on. Anywhere, anywhere, fear I cannot know. Anywhere with Jesus I can safely go. Anywhere with Jesus I am not alone. Other friends may fail me, he is still my own. Though his hand may lead me over drearest ways, anywhere with Jesus is a house of praise. See, Moses, he could be singing that song because that's what he's talking about, being conscious of the presence of God and giving him the courage 
to go out because of what God said, certainly I'll be with thee. So seeing Moses become in his life so sensitive to the presence of God, that makes him our leader. That makes also Moses an example that we should follow. And there's a great name for the presence of God because how do we know the presence of God? We know the presence of God by the presence of the unseen Holy Spirit of God. And there's a great name for the Holy Spirit that captures the fact that he lives in us and it's to call the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit of his presence. The Holy Spirit of his presence. And it really it follows, for that, that title follows from Psalm 139, verse seven, where David says, whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? See, the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit of his presence. And that's a goal in our life, that we should make ourselves so actively conscious of the Holy Spirit of his presence, like, like practice being actively conscious of the presence of God, that God wants us to be active, so actively conscious of his presence that we could say the same thing that Paul said. And Moses could say the same thing that Paul said in Galatians 1:15 through 16, when it pleased God to separate, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the, the heathen, immediately I conferred not with fresh, flesh and blood. See, Paul was saying here that there were three things that pleased God. First, it pleased God to separate Paul from his mother's womb. Now, for a Jewish person who turns to the Lord Jesus Christ, saying the word separate has a little bit more meaning than just being born from his mother's womb. It brings back, you know, there, there is a sense in which the Jewish believer in the Lord Jesus Christ has been separated from his people. If he doesn't feel that, all he has to do is speak about the Lord Jesus Christ, and believe me, they will take care of the separation process. And it, so that's the first thing. And the second thing, it pleased God to call, Paul said, it pleased God call by his grace, to call Paul by his grace. And we know how the Lord Jesus Christ called Paul on the road to Damascus. He called him first to himself. He called him first to himself to be saved from his sins, and then he called him second into his life work, wherein it says that in Acts 9, five through six, and he said, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, arise, go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. So it pleased God, separated from his mother's womb, pleased God, call him by his grace, and third, it pleased God to reveal to Paul his son that was inside of Paul. That was the greatest revelation for Paul. He never got over it. It was a lifelong, wonderful discovery of finding the Lord Jesus Christ living inside of Paul in the person of the Spirit of Christ. See, with Paul's separation from the Jewish people, people he, Paul had separated himself from the Jewish people's rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's call to come to the Lord Jesus Christ and his call to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, but then Paul's discovery that the Lord Jesus Christ was inside of Paul in the person of the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
So Paul, and with these three things, these three things, then Paul says he was ready, he was ready, ready to preach the Lord Jesus Christ among the heathen. And this discovery that the Lord Jesus Christ is inside the believer in the person of the Holy Spirit of his presence or the person of the Spirit of Christ, as Peter calls him, gives sin a new horribleness. Sin becomes a grieving of the Holy Spirit of his presence. So, for example, the believer who is addicted to alcohol might as well say when he takes a drink, here, Holy Spirit, have a drink. And that brings home the new horribleness to sin. And that was David's greatest concern when he had sinned against and sinned with Bathsheba, that he had grieved the Holy Spirit of God's presence. And then he said that in Psalm 51:11, where David said, Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. So now, from verse 13, Moses has listened very well to what God has said, and Moses has got it down now. He's really got it down. He knows exactly how he's going to open up with the, when he meets the Jewish people. And Moses says to God in, in, in uh, verse 13, Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the, Jewish, unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you. They shall say to me, what's his name? In verse six, Moses had met God and God had told Moses that he was the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. That was to crystallize in Moses' mind who was God because he was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know, when I was born into a Jewish family, knew nothing about the Lord Jesus Christ, knew nothing about God as a personal friend, nothing at all. And he didn't know that God could be my friend, didn't know that God could be my comforter, didn't know God could be my strength, didn't know God could be my guide, didn't know any of these things, absolutely didn't know. And for a Jew, for me as a Jewish person, you know, the idea of church and the, uh, uh, some Christians, is, uh, you, know, you know, you don't want to be around them and you don't want to go to church because the minute you say you're a Jew, then they'll start off with, the, well, you're the one who killed our God. We should kill you. And that's what I've always been told. So this was not something warm and fuzzy that you wanted to get close to and say, oh, tell me about your God. And anyway, so very, very far. So what brought about the change in my life that drew me? Well, I met a person from that taboo group, right? The Gentiles, right? Her name was Cheryl, and she was uh, she was not Jewish. And so they, you know, my parents made it very clear to me: you have no business, no business at all, to get involved with someone in the taboo group. Stick with your own, boy. Stick with your own. Anyway, but then fell in love and got married, and you know, and I told her when we were married, I says, "Listen, I says we come from two different, you know." sides of the tracks, and so, you know, you with the Bible and church and, and Jesus and me with uh, the temple and, you know, not the Bible and certainly not Jesus, and so let's just have a life of neutrality. We'll go right down the middle of the tracks, not to one side or the other. We won't talk about God and church or anything like that, and that's the way it started off, but we went through some really tough times uh, and because, for one thing, my dad had a house in Bel Air, which is not exactly the low-income area of Los Angeles, and um, 
you know, and a silver spoon in the mouth and money and, and so forth. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, because I had married someone of the taboo group, you know, all of a sudden we're broke, have $100 in my pocket, and we're in, living on River Road, which was exactly the low-income area of Cincinnati. And, uh, you know, so things were rough. And so we went through this, and it was a lot of rough times. And what I saw in her was a stability and a security and a love that was coming out of her. And I realized this was coming from her God. And so I gotta be honest with you that when I came to God, I didn't come saying, where's the God of Abraham? Where's the God of Isaac? Where's the God of Jacob? I didn't even know those people. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. 